Jambase podcast listeners. Thanks for checking out this episode of the Jambase podcast. I'm Andy Kahn, and Jambase is a partner of Osiris Media, the podcast network for music. We welcome back Warren Haynes on this episode of the podcast. The government mule frontman will be honored next week by the nonprofit organization Why Hunger. And I was given the opportunity to talk to Warren about his extensive history of giving back to the community through his many charitable efforts. We'll hear my interview with Warren shortly, right after we hear from this episode's sponsors. Looking for a new hobby to complement your live music addiction? Psychedelic Art Exchange is here to help. Concert poster collecting is a great way to commemorate your favorite bands, artists, and live shows by displaying stunning, world-class, valuable artwork on your wall. Go to ConcertPosterGallery.com to shop for posters from the 1960s to today, along with vintage swag and more unique collector's items. And don't miss Jambase's ongoing four-part series documenting the history of concert posters. Psychedelic Art Exchange is the number one source to buy, sell, and learn about vintage concert posters. Head over to ConcertPosterGallery.com to explore their expanding online store or to bid on vintage rarities in one of their twice-monthly auctions. Happy collecting! This episode is sponsored by SoFar Sounds. SoFar Sounds is a global community of music lovers creating space where music matters. SoFar invites guests to discover new artists, places, and people, whether at home or abroad, in over 400 cities around the world. Now integrated with Jambase's concert listings, SoFar shows transform everyday spaces, from living rooms and rooftops, to boutiques and museums, into captivating venues for secret live shows, creating inclusive experiences that bring people closer together. Each SoFar features different musical styles, and you won't know who's performing until they take the stage. Once they do, you just might fall in love. Previous SoFar performances have featured Ben Gibbard, Lucius, Leon Bridges, Beirut, Billie Eilish, Moses Sumney, Soccer Mommy, and many other talented musicians from around the globe, including previous Jambase podcast guests, Sylvanesso, Krungman, Anderson East, and Tank and the Bangas. SoFar keeps the location secret until the day before the show. The SoFar community creates an inclusive space where music matters so that you can get lost in the performance. Locations of SoFar experiences have taken place in such unexpected spots as under an airplane in the Aeronautical Museum in Spain, at a climbing gym in Houston, between the barrels in a distillery in Boulder, Colorado, as well as in New York City at a volleyball court, in the engine room at the Kellam Island Museum in Sheffield, England, and in libraries, apartments, amusement parks, and countless other cool spots around the world. To learn more about SoFar Sounds, visit SoFarSounds.com or search Jambase to find a SoFar Sounds event happening near you. We're lucky to have Warren Haynes back for his third appearance on the Jambase podcast. Warren was on episode three in 2018, episode 107 in 2021, and now episode 146 in 2022. On Tuesday, November 1st, Warren Haynes will receive the Harry Chapin Humanitarian Award at the annual Chapin Awards Gala at City Winery in New York. According to the organization, in 1975, musician and activist Harry Chapin co-founded Why Hunger to protect the basic human right to nutritious food for all. He dedicated his life to ensuring equitable food access and used his music and activism to inspire others to tackle the root causes of hunger and poverty. Why Hunger presents the Harry Chapin Humanitarian Award to shine a spotlight on artists and community leaders who have proven their commitment to building social justice and ending hunger worldwide. Haynes engaged with Why Hunger in a variety of ways over the years, making generous contributions to the organization's work and donating several auction items and experiences that raised critical funds to support its mission. From his annual Christmas jam and the important work of the WNS Foundation, to his extraordinary support for Habitat Humanity and career-spanning humanitarian efforts, Warren has led the music industry as an activist and visionary in creating a brighter future for all. Along with Warren, others who will be given the Harry Chapin Humanitarian Award include actor-musician, philanthropist, and founder of SixDegrees.org, Kevin Bacon, SixDegrees.org Executive Director, Stacey Houston, 
and former Why Hunger board member Bob Wolk. Grateful Dead bassist Phil Lesh will be at City Winery next week to present Warren with his Harry Chapin Humanitarian Award. Phil Lesh will also join Warren when Haynes' Christmas Jam charity concert takes place on December 10th in Warren's hometown of Asheville, North Carolina. Founded way back in 1988, Christmas Jam has worked closely with the Asheville area Habitat for Humanity. The charity concerts have helped build over 40 houses and raised more than $2.7 million. I was able to ask Warren about the seeds of his charity work and what initially inspired him to give back to his community. We talked about what it means to be given such a prestigious award from Why Hunger and how it motivates him to continue his efforts. We also covered the upcoming Christmas Jam charity concert that will benefit Habitat for Humanity and the Asheville-based nonprofit Be Love Foundation. Warren is bringing back Christmas Jam for the first time since 2018. He'll perform with Phil Lesh and Friends, alongside John Schofield, John Badesky, and John Molo. And Warren will also appear with Government Mule, and likely elsewhere throughout the sold-out marathon concert. Tyler Childers, Dinosaur Jr., and Brothers Osborne are also among those on this year's lineup. The interview touched on the upcoming supposed Spinal Tap-themed Mule Oween Halloween show happening on Saturday in New Orleans. We also talked about Warren's recovery from a shoulder injury earlier this year, and much more. So now here's my interview with Harry Chapin Humanitarian Award recipient Warren Haynes, which we'll lead into with Hiding Places, off the expanded edition of Government Mule's 2021 album, Heavy Load Blues. When I was a young boy, proud of my family, my mama used to hang me out to dry. The boy couldn't help it, sometimes I had to find hiding place, hang his head and Jam-based podcast, Warren Haynes. Yeah, glad to be back. Uh, this is a, 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 a fun thing for me to get to talk to you about. You are going to be given the Harry Chapin Humanitarian Award uh, at the Why Hunger Chapin Awards Gala at City Winery in New York next Tuesday, November 1st. Let me just say congratulations, man. That's a pretty cool honor. Well, thank you. Uh, th- thank you very much. So you are being honored for over 30 years of service to different charities. And I'm curious, where does that motivation come from to, to give back? Um, I, in the, well, I think it started, uh, in a kind of, uh, organic way because when I started the, the Christmas jam, which was, you know, over 30 years ago, it was a really small event and it was, uh, the motivation behind it was just to get the local musicians together to play and hang out and have fun. Uh, it wasn't like, Oh, let's go raise a bunch of money for charity. We didn't raise very much money. We just, mm-hmm. whatever money we raised, we gave it to charity, but it was more about the music and the, and the yeah. hang, you know, uh-huh, uh-huh. And, and then next year, let's do it again. It got a little bigger next year. Let's do it again. It got a little bigger. Then the opportunity 
to make a, a little bit more money came about. Uh, sure. and, and and then we started having to look at it differently and think about it differently. Um, you know, and the only other thing I can say is that as musicians, I think most of us are just so grateful to do what we love mm-hmm. that it's really easy to give back when the way you're giving back is by playing music, you know, uh, it's what we do anyway, you know? And so when you're doing some sort of charity event where you're playing or singing or, or whatever the case might be, um, you're just doing what you do every day, but it also reminds you of why we're all playing music in the first place and, and what it was like when, when we started out, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. We were just having fun. It wasn't about uh, the business side at all. And, and, right. and so I think it's it's really easy and kind of imperative for musicians to remember that that's how we got where we are. Do you think that sort of mindset came from the way you were raised? Do you think any of this sort of idea of giving back can be traced back to your upbringing? I would think so. I, I was going to say that uh, as well but I'm trying not to take much credit for myself uh, doing it because as I said, it was a, a very organic process, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think uh, my mom and dad are both very generous uh, giving people. I was raised primarily by my dad who is, is passed away now. Um, but he he had a really big heart, you know, uh, everyone, everyone loved him. Uh, and all of my friends and even circle of friends, uh, where we weren't quite as close, more people gravitated toward my dad than any other parents I could think of because he had that way of connecting with people. He didn't feel like there was a division between him and, all my buddies, you know, uh, they, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they were friends in their own right. And, and he was just one of those people that, that could connect with folks and communicate on, uh, any level. And, and I'm, I'm sure to some extent, uh, hopefully that carried over. I mean, that sounds similar to you and your career and how many, you know, how many people you've shared the stage with and all the collaborations that you've done it, you know, open to everybody. It sounds like. Well, my dad was a a big role model for sure. Uh, And he would he would help anybody if he could. Now, you you've worked you've worked with Why Hunger and uh, Christmas Jam does a lot for Habitat for Humanity. I I noticed that both of those organizations are kind of focused on community, uh, helping the community at, at the community level. Is that something that's important to you? Well, uh, yeah, I, it is important because uh, to me, because I grew up in a small town, I grew up in Asheville mm-hmm. and that's part of who I am is, is yeah. my upbringing and my surroundings, my community. Um, but also because it's easier to uh, coordinate these sort of things on a community level than it is on a larger level in the way that you can kind of 
maintain some sort of oversight of, of what you're doing and it doesn't mm-hmm. get out of hand and, and grow beyond your comprehension in directions that you have no control over. Um, and that, that might seem a little complicated, but the, the more national and global that you take something, the less you're able to uh, maintain its original vision. Yeah. And I was going to ask too, like, you know, sometimes it's also harder to measure the impact when you're working with sort of the larger organizations. Now you yeah, can drive around. I think that was kind of part of what I was getting sure. at as well. And you, you put it into words properly. But you, you can drive around Asheville and see habitat houses that you helped build over, I think, 40 of them at this point. Yeah. The, is, is, so, so is that helpful for you to, to keep you motivated to keep doing this? Well, it's not only helpful, it's, it's a driving factor, mm-hmm. uh, especially, I don't know when, maybe 20 years ago or something, I started, uh, and, and my wife, Stephanie, we, we started meeting the families who were uh, uh, receiving the houses, uh-huh. and it made such an impact when you put a face with the the whole picture um and so it's very motivating and it also helps with uh trying to sell uh people that that uh are in involving themselves musicians and right. and, mm-hmm. and and even uh, people that are helping out uh, with the team logistically, when they can see what you're doing, yeah, it really makes a big difference, you know. And and so a lot of times when somebody uh, joins the team for the first time and they go and see all the stuff that that we've done, it's it's very impressive. And for musicians, if they if they come to Asheville for the first time and they check it out, they get a real sense of what Christmas jam has done and that sort of thing, you know, mm-hmm. have other musicians ever asked you for advice on working with charities given, given your extensive work with it? Yeah. You know, occasionally I have somebody call me and say, I'm thinking of starting a charity event. Do you, can you uh-huh. give me some advice and or any pointers? And sometimes I point them toward people that I think can help and, and we discuss organizations and and stuff like that uh you know and it it's it's beautiful to to hear that you know because uh, you know it maybe it's on a small level maybe on a bigger level but when somebody says you know uh i saw what you did at this event or or one of the charities that you're involved with and it inspired me to do my own thing. I, I think that's great. That's that's kind of how we all get into it, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, how did it feel when you learned that you were going to be receiving the Harry Chapin Humanitarian Award? I, I still don't uh, quite understand. You know, I'm sure uh, I, it's it's overwhelming. I'm I'm very very honored by it, but uh, you know, it's. Uh, it's it's hard when you're on the receiving end of a, an award like that to feel like you're the person that should deserve it. But uh, I, I'm honored and I, I love their organization and all the, the events that I've attended have been fantastic. And it's just I have nothing but great things to say. 
how did you first get involved with uh, Why Hunger? I think through Stephanie, my wife, you know, yeah. she, uh, she uh, really is very active in so many different charitable situations. And, and she knows everybody in, in the music business and, and uh, she has a very good sense of which ones make sense for us and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Um, and, and, and you've done some things over the years to raise money for why hunger, um, I, I, like auctions and, and, and different experiences. Um, what, what's been your experience participating in those events for them? Well, it's a very well run organization and, and it, you can just feel the spirit of the organization, whatever is, is going on. And to me, that's the sign of a, of a good charity is, is when everyone you meet, you feel a kinship with and feel like we mm-hmm. all are going through this and together and experiencing and trying to give back and all that sort of thing. Uh, and also the, the, uh, performances have, have been really special, you know, like, uh, and, and there's just something about the music that's made under these kind of circumstances. Right. It's very unpretentious. It's very pure and real. And, uh, you know, you're performing to an audience that in most cases is really doing a lot to help their fellow man and, uh-huh. or you're, or you're in the audience watching somebody else perform and feeling that same sort of feeling. I, I've been in a lot of them where I'm just, just there watching uh-huh. and, and experiencing in some cases, music that has never happened that exact way before, you know? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, I mentioned before, uh, the two charities, Why Hunger and Habitat, work at a at a community level. I also noticed that the two work on um, food justice and and housing, uh, you know, food and, and and shelter being two of our basic necessities. Have you is that an intent an intentional thing that you've looked into? Is are those is that aspect something that you're that, that's that's important to you? Yeah, I think you just summed it up. Those two things uh, are necessities. They're essentials. They're every human being deserves that. Mm-hmm. And, and we should do what we can to see that, that everyone has that, uh, you know, in, in, in a country like America where you see so much food go to waste, mm-hmm. uh, I think the charity organizations that have figured out ways of dealing with that uh, are, are doing such wonderful work because, you know, I, I love America. I don't choose to live anywhere else, mm-hmm. but we're a very wasteful nation. Yes. And, and so the, the fact that, uh, that, we can help solve the the local, the the state, the national, the global 
mm-hmm. issues uh, is something that more people need to be aware of, uh, I guess, is what I'm saying. And, and uh, why hunger and organizations that deal with with those things uh, have made such an impact. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah, we're we're too wealthy of a nation to have people needing food and and, and not having what they what they need. Yeah, uh, and, and, you know, and I don't want to go on a political rant, but yeah, with sure. the, without question, that right. that is the case. You know, I think without without politics, just the the you know, it's the basic needs, right? Like, I think that's something that we can all agree on, regardless of our, our political background. The the fact that we need shelter, we need food, right? Those two things are are pretty basic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and getting back to the, the to the awards gala, um, you're going to be presented the award by Phil Lesh. Yeah, uh, that that's a pretty cool uh, guy to have uh, coming out to do that for you. Uh, how's that feel to have him there? Well, I'm I'm elated that Phil's going to do that and, and be part of it. it uh, I think it, it's it's perfect. You know, he's he's given back so much through the years and. Mm-hmm. From a friendship level, you know, we we're really close, and and on a musical level, uh, I've learned so much from from him, and still uh, love the fact that we're playing together whenever we get a chance. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm just really honored that he's going to be the one to do it. Now, do you think you'll have a chance to play together on Tuesday? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think. Uh, I mean, I think that's the plan. Yeah, uh, unless something goes wrong. Now, this is kind of a. a uh, I don't know question, but when, when you're doing something like that, how do you decide which guitar to bring? Um, you know, something easy and, uh, I'll probably just bring one guitar, maybe two. We won't mm-hmm. play very many songs. And if I know us, the songs will be long. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, just try to think in advance of, of what songs might need what sound and, and uh, what might be fun and what's accessible. You know, uh, um, it's always a, a challenge, you know? <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I mean, you've, I, I can only imagine how many guitars you have to choose from. So, so, you know, narrowing it down to, to one or two or whatever, and, and, and knowing that you're playing with Phil, it's, it's, that's gotta be somewhat challenging. Yeah. And I, and I always uh, choose different guitars when I'm playing with Phil mm-hmm. than I would if I were playing with government mule or when, when mm-hmm. I was in the Allman brothers or solo projects, I, I kind of think of them all different in me expressing myself a little bit differently in each situation. Oh, no kidding. So, you know, uh, that doesn't completely answer the question, but it helps provide some insight. So, so like your closet is sort of segmented, like th- these are my mule guitars. These are my dead guitars. These are my solo guitars. No, I'm not nearly that organized, <laughs> <laughs> but in your mind, maybe it's like that, right? Yeah. There are certain yeah. ones. There, there are certain guitars that I only played in the dead or with Phil, mm-hmm. uh, certain ones that I only played, uh, in the Alma brothers and, and ones that, that overlap and can go in sure. a lot of different directions. Uh, and, and occasionally I'll pull out something that I haven't played in a long time and say, well, let's see what happens if I try this. Yeah. <laughs> But and you and Phil are going to definitely be playing together at uh, at 
Christmas Jam. It's the 31st Christmas Jam. It's the first since 2018. And it's on December 10th in Asheville. And you got a pretty cool Phil and Friends lineup. It's it's you and Phil and three other Johns. John Modeski, John Molo, <laughs> and John Schofield. So it's it's Phil Warren and the three Johns. And uh, how did that lineup come together? Uh, that lineup played together in Connecticut uh, recently. Okay, yep, yep. And it, and it was a blast. You know, uh-huh. it, it, that lineup has a really wonderful chemistry of its own. And then there are also, uh, you know, similar lineups that we, you know, th- that have played. Uh, so we've all played together a lot, but but all of us together has only happened that one uh, time. A couple of times. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. And and so when did you start planning this year's Christmas Jam? I would say around April or so, I usually yeah. start to. Uh, making the first phone calls. Um, but knowing that it's hard to get people to, to commit that early, but you get a good mm-hmm. sense of people that might be available. Mm-hmm. Occasionally you get a, a full commitment, but uh, there's a lot of, I think I can do it. Check back with me in a couple of months. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, as of now, I'm going to be somewhere else, but that may change. So check back with me. <laughs> yeah. So it's, you know, the lineup situation is is a challenge, but that's, that goes with the territory. That's got to be kind of a fun challenge though, too, right? Like Absolutely. Of- yeah. I, I, I should have said fun challenge, actually. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it is fun and, and trying to uh, put together a diverse lineup every year where it's not too much of the same thing uh, mm-hmm. is very important. Uh, trying to bring in people that have, have never been before, mm-hmm. but also people that are, are staples that have been huge supporters of the cause. Um, and just trying to make it a, a, a really cool, diverse night of, of music that appeals to music fans, but a lot of different genres, you know, so it sounds like you have a lot of input on who gets asked to participate. Uh, are there other people offering suggestions to you? Are you are you surveying others for help? Well, yeah, there are people who are are uh, part of the process, but that's definitely my my role. Yeah, uh, more so than you know, I, I don't get involved in certain of the uh, non creative aspects. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But and and then. But, you know, there are a handful of people that are very, very active and helping with the lineup. Um, and, and my wife, Stephanie, and, and Jason Bowe and, and John Dendis are all very active in that. Um, but in some ways, it kind of reflects my personal taste, you know, okay. like, uh, yeah. You know, uh, I, I want it to be predominantly music that I enjoy and hopefully music that I love. Uh, yeah. And so whenever we can get uh, bands or artists that I'm a big fan of, that's that's at the top of the list, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's cool. You also have 
Brothers Osborne, Dinosaur Jr., His Golden Messenger, Audley Freed, Scott Metzger, Katie Jacoby, and Mike Barnes, who's been around since the first one. That's pretty cool. Um, when do you start planning the set lists and collaborations that are going to take place? That all happens a little closer to, yeah. to the show. Uh, it depends. Some people are more comfortable with last minute uh, adjustments, mm-hmm. but some people like to. Uh, get a jump on it. And so uh, I'm open to working e- either way, knowing that it's going to change, you know, the last month or so there's going to be constant changes, you know, and that's okay. We're, we're used to that and kind of thrive on it. And I think the audience loves that aspect of, of uh-huh. Christmas Jam as well. You know? Yeah. And so some of it's not planned, right? Some of it happens on the spot. Oh, tons of it is not planned. <laughs> Tons of my life is not planned. (laughs) Now, do you have to prepare yourself physically for that marathon concert? Uh, To whatever extent I can. I I just, for days in advance or weeks in advance, I know it's going to be maybe the longest day of the year uh, for me. You know, but there's so much adrenaline and there's so much excitement that I I managed to, to make it through it without thinking of it that way. But then when it's over, like the next day, it's similar to our new year's Eve shows that the -hmm. next day I'm just like, Oh, uh, just collapse. Christmas Jam now for almost 35 years. When when you think back, what are some standout moments? What what's some of the first things that come to mind as being, you know, magical moments that that could only have happened at Christmas Jam? Um well, I think of some of the collaborations like the the year that Branford Marsalis came and wound up on stage with the uh, with Dave Matthews. Yeah. Uh, and wound up on stage with Marty Stewart. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of those are really unlikely pairings, but given Branford's wide scope and, and ability to basically play any type of music, uh, not so much, you know, they were both fantastic. Um, when John Paul Jones was there, uh, he wanted to play. And so we were, you know, not only did he play with, with government mule and with Ben Harper, but he was looking for other things to do. So he, he played with, uh, with Michael Franti and, 
and stuff like that. Uh, um, I went up to Michael Fronte and, and said, Hey, uh, John Paul Jones is looking for something else to do. Uh, is there something that he could do with you? And he's like, is this a joke? <laughs> <laughs> no. And so I walk back in one of the dressing rooms and it's like John Paul Jones and Michael Fronte and Robin Ford and maybe Marty Stewart and all these unlikely pairings of beautiful, brilliant musicians. Yeah. Uh, playing together for the first time and smiling and laughing and it's just that's that's what it's about before I was coming out Warren said you know John Paul Jones would really like to play with you would you mind I was like so we got the great John Paul Jones and since we got this all new band together First thing we're gonna do is a brand new song. We've never played it before. We just wrote it in the dressing room, uh, in our hotel room. We practiced it in the dressing room with these guys. my favorite memory of Christmas jam was when Ralph Stanley came oh, yeah. and there were two uh, aspects of that, that I should explain. One was uh, his manager said, he's probably only going to do one song. And I said, well, we, we kind of really need him to do more, at least like three. And he's like, okay, I think I can get him to do that, mm -hmm. but he's probably not going to play banjo. Okay. That's fine. Mm -hmm. And so he came and he did three or four or five songs and he pulled out his banjo and played it for the first time in a long time. And I looked around and every musician, every artist that was part of the show that year was standing on stage watching Ralph Stanley. That's cool. It was fantastic. <laughs> You know, I always say like when you go to a festival, look on the wings and see if the musicians are watching. And those are the, those are the musicians to make sure you see, you know, like the ones that yeah. draw out the other musicians. Yeah. That's very cool. Very cool. Well, Warren, we can uh, start wrapping this up. I do want to ask about, you got Mule Oween coming up uh, this weekend as well. You got a lot, a lot of stuff as usual on your plate. Um, it's a Spinal Tap theme. It, uh, it appears. It, it appears. It appears. Um, I'm just making sure you're not going to be trapped in a in a pod or or uh, or anything like that, right? No pods, <laughs> no helicopters uh, for me. No, no any for any stone, maybe a Stonehenge. Uh. <laughs> uh, well, uh, maybe um, we'll just have to see. See, I'm pic I'm also picturing you playing bass, Danny on bass, maybe some, some big bottom. I think your instincts are, are right on the money. All uh, right. But we, uh, you know, mum's the word. I got you. We'll have to wait and see. Um, I also wanted to ask, how, how's your how's your shoulder, your scapula? Uh, great. Uh, I'm yeah. doing great. Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy that uh, 
that particular injury could have been so much worse. And sure. uh, it, that, that bone heals on its own really well. And, and when I found out there was no surgery involved, I breathed a sigh of relief and, and it feels great. Yeah. So no, no lingering issues or anything. That's no, great. You know, it, it, I've been very lucky and I, it was a two month recovery process and we had to cancel April, which was a drag, but uh, otherwise everything's going according. Excellent. Well, I hope for good health for the rest of for going forward for you. Um, best of luck <laughs> this weekend with uh, Muleween. And congratulations on the the Harry Chapin Humanitarian Award, Warren. It's it's Thank definitely you. deserved. It's it, the the stuff that you've done with Christmas Jam, with Habitat, with with Why Hunger. It's it's truly inspiring and and truly something that deserves recognized because not everybody's doing it. And for uh, for how long you've done it for, it, it truly is remarkable. Well, uh, you know, I'm I'm truly honored that that they're presenting me with this award and uh i think it's a wonderful organization and it's going to be a beautiful night definitely well take care safe travels and we'll talk soon i hope sounds good good to see you all right see you everyone take care man the end of this episode of the jam based podcast thanks to all of you out there for listening a reminder to subscribe if you haven't already and if you like what you hear go ahead and let the platform you're listening to know thanks to warren for once again joining us on the podcast congratulations on receiving the harry chapin humanitarian award from why hunt truly deserving honor thanks to our sponsors so far sounds and psychedelic art exchange we appreciate your support jake alexander helped produce the episode thanks jake we'll be back next week with another insightful interview So in the meantime, stay safe out there. Go see live music.